are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, welcome to the Depression Session. This is Laura. We're at the top of the hour with KTDT Downtown Radio. I have with me in the studio today, Dr. Mark McMahon. He's an entrepreneur and founder of 70offdental.com. He's going to be joining us and telling us the story of depression. But first, I thought I'd talk about holiday blues. I don't know how many of you have experienced holiday blues this year. But um, it's it's very, very typical. We have so many expectations built into the holidays. I think that's a big component of it. You know, we, there's there's all the old childhood stuff that <laughs> maybe you never worked out. Most of us have at least some of it. Some of us have more than others. And everybody gets together or on the other end of the spectrum, you can't get together with family or you decide not to get together with family. And no matter how you celebrate the holidays, I think it's a really hard time for most people. We were talking at the dinner table on Christmas Eve, my brother, my mom, and I, about mincemeat pies, actually. (laughs) I'd heard on the radio that mincemeat pies were a really big deal. The reason they were was that in the Middle Ages, you would eat salted pork and bread every day for every meal, pretty much. And that the mincemeat pie was the Ferrari of pies, right? You'd put in your spices, all the innards and exciting meats that maybe you didn't eat the rest of the year. You'd put in currants and all of these, like the the most expensive sugar, all the most expensive things you had would go into this pie and be mixed in and you put it in a crust and bake it in the oven. And so when it came out, it was, it was like an exciting and delicate meal. Well, that made us remember our Aunt Marjorie, (laughs) who was my grandmother's aunt. So it was my great aunt. And she used to make the most wonderful pies. I actually don't remember them. I was a little bit too little. She died when I was five. I remember her paper dolls. I remember she had all these paper dolls from the 20s and 40s, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s that I still have and I've used in my artwork. They're just wonderful. But I always think of Aunt Marjorie as the original feminist. She worked at Texas A&M. She was the first female professor at Texas A&M and she taught woodshop. which is kind of amazing you know in the in in her era to be the first and to be teaching woodshop she was a wonderful wood wood uh, woodworker and then in later years she was a librarian and um was a the reference librarian at the big library in downtown grand rapids so i was and she never married you know she didn't wear combat boots but she was a suffragette she never married. She helped raise my grandmother for a little while. My grandmother went to stay with her in Daytona and Florida. And I remember when my grandmother was ill, just asking her things about her life, you know, wanting to know things before she, before we lost her. And she told stories of being down there and playing with the other kids on the beach. And she'd been ill, so she'd been sent to stay with her aunt in a warmer climate than Michigan. So the the mincemeat pie that she used to make my brother said no it was wretched (laughs) it was awful (laughs) but if you think of like where it came from and how how luxurious it would have been 
but that all her other pies were, were delicious. And that my Aunt Mary picked up the mantle after Aunt Marjorie. And actually, my, my aunt is named Mary Marjorie, so she's named after my great aunt. And she'd picked up the mantle and started making pies every year. So when I talked to her on the phone this year, I said, did you make pies? And she said, I did. I actually had so much pie left over from Thanksgiving that I froze one and had a birthday pie because her birthday is at Christmas time and then made more pies for for Christmas as well. And I've been thinking about this idea of a pie, you know, taking all the richest things in life and putting them all in one thing and wrapping it up and baking it in the oven. I feel like that's part of the problem with the holidays. I have done nothing but eat sweets, exercise very little because it's been freezing cold here in Tucson. I don't know if anybody noticed, but it's freezing cold. It was down in the 20s last night. And and it's almost this like huge expectations are put into this pie. All this rich food and drink and parties and get-togethers and family and all the love and the Christmas decorations and Christmas shopping all put into this pie like it's overload. Then you wrap it up, you bake it up, and you serve it up on Christmas morning, and it's exhausting. I only had one meltdown. Well, no, maybe two, but I had one one big... I had I was quite snippy with my mom all day on Christmas Eve because we'd been shopping for days. And I don't know, I was just being a, you know, a Scrooge, <laughs> just being so mean to her. No, she said it wasn't that bad, but I just was snippy and irritable. And then my boyfriend called me up and he said, can you come Christmas shopping with me? I haven't gotten anything for my brother. And I went, no, I can't go shopping. And then I, I, I rethought it because I, last year his family got me gifts and I wasn't sure what Dan had gotten for them. So there's all this guilt. So you throw a little more guilt into the pie with all of the rich ingredients. I think that's maybe the innards. <laughs> throw those innards in there. And I said, well, no, I should come with you because I didn't do any. I didn't go shopping with them last year. I don't even know what he got them. And they got me like a nice necklace and homemade earrings and just so, so thoughtful. So I went shopping with them. And... um but before we went shopping, I went over to his house and bawled my eyes out. <laughs> you know, I just sobbed and uh, uh, I don't know. It's just like, I, I, there's this funny thing that happens when you put so much into one event. You put all the richest things in there and wrap it up in some butter and flour and salt and stick it in a hot oven of, of expectation and desire. <laughs> And then stick it in the oven, you know, it's just like, and then, so, you know, Christmas morning came and um, the cry was really good. I probably cried for 40 minutes and he was very sweet and just let me cry, you know, only got defensive once. <laughs> and, and, and I wouldn't call it, it, it's, it's for me, it wasn't exactly holiday blues. I can't say that I was blue. I know he was. And so I felt kind of, again, like here I am being mean to my mom and crying to my boyfriend, who's the one who's missing his family. You know, it felt very selfish and, and just, but this is, this is it. This is the mincemeat pie of the holidays. Throw it all in there and put on some heat. And then we got up on Christmas morning. Uh, my boyfriend, Dan, is not feeling well this week. He didn't, he didn't want to eat anything. 
But um, he got up with us and had a green juice. <laughs> and we had a lovely breakfast. And it was calm and quiet. And just the four of us, my brother, my mom, and Dan. We all love each other. We've really, it's my little family here in, in Tucson. My mom comes down in the winter. And my brother moved down after his divorce. And after my dad died, I realized part of my grief was there are so few people in the world that love me like that. There are so few people in the world who would visit me in prison if I killed people. Not that I'm going to, but, you know, if you just put the extreme twist on it, how many people love you unconditionally, like really unconditionally, like no matter what you do or who you are or where you go? And there they were, you know, around the table with me, and it was incredibly dear. And we opened stockings. We always make adult stockings. It's nothing dirty, just, you know, adult presents like Kleenex, <laughs> like patterned Kleenex and sticky notes. And, you know, um, I got Dan uh, uh, pumpkin seeds and, you know, <laughs> and a, an adult coloring book, which are these new, there's this new fad with coloring books where you have all these patterns and they're really intricate and it's supposed to be very calming and probably good for depression. So I just wanted to say to all of you a very happy holidays, whatever you do as far as celebrating or choosing not to celebrate, and that I hope your mincemeat pie turned out as nicely as mine with a little bit of innards and a little bit of spice and a little bit of fruit and a little bit of sugar all wrapped up in a big pastry. Again, thank you for listening. And I really appreciate it. And I want to welcome today Dr. Mark McMahon entrepreneur and generally creative genius. <laughs> Welcome Thank to you, the Laura. show. Thank you very much. So tell us about your newest venture. Well, it's called 70 Off Dental, and it's about getting 70% off on your dental care. And I've discovered the really high quality and high compassion and high technology care that you can get in Nogales recently. And I just saw this great opportunity to bring people across because there's so many people underserved with their dental needs in the public in Tucson. Yeah. And so I started this program and, and I've uh, pre-screened a bunch of dental offices down in Nogales. I went down and met people and, and uh, pounded the pavement. I went in as a patient to a couple offices and, and uh, was just blown away. I was just blown away. And so, um, so anyway, that's, that's how it started. And now I do, uh, I have a, a program where I offer free referrals to, pre-screened offices and i also do a concierge shuttle service to take people down and get them over the hurdle the inertia and the fear of the unknown to get their dental work started in nogales that's incredible why dentistry i know why but tell our audience oh, why dentistry well i am dr mark i am a <laughs> dentist i i haven't practiced for about 15 years but but uh, i'm a dentist so it's my background great and and can you tell us maybe one of your crazier projects that you've done i know you've done all sorts of interesting things Oh, well, my biggest, most favorite one was called Driving to the End of the World. And it happened um, back, it started in 1999, at the, just before the millennium. And I drove, I I, ha I was very fortunate, very blessed with a financial windfall. I sold my dental practice. I sold a trademark on the name Smileworks. And I sold an infomercial that I had done for dentistry. And all three deals were, were closed on the same day, November 1st. And the day I had committed to leaving and taking off on this big trip. So anyway, I ended up driving from Tucson all the way to the southern tip of South America, spent two and a half years on the road. Wow, that's amazing. That's an amazing journey. Yes, and you're, you're a good one to comment on that with all of your 
<laughs> wild adventures across the country. And there are quite, you know, there's some kind of adventurous spirit here in Tucson. I swear. Oh, there or we're is. drawn back here or something. Or we find each other here in Tucson, yeah. at least. At the very least. Yeah. So, Mark, tell us the story of your depression. Uh, in your chatting about the holidays, I have, you know, I'm, I'm still in the middle of my holiday with my family right now. Um, I have a number of family visiting. Some of them are leaving today and, and over the next couple of days. So I've really been in the thick of it. And last night, it really kind of struck, hit me. I uh, was with family members and winding down from Christmas a little bit. And I just didn't want to be there. I just was like, get me out of here, you know? And I, and, and I feel, I feel there's some, just many dynamics going on. One is I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed with family, with friends, with finances. And, you know, it's like, I don't deserve to be whining like this, you know? And the other thing is, is I've I've done so much personal growth work my my own self. Why can't I pull myself out of this and make myself feel better? But I think that you know one of the things that I've noticed is that I don't like to call it depression. I like I call it life because there's cycles in life and and there's just ups and downs. I think everybody experiences them and everybody handles them in different ways. Like the the awkwardness and uncomfortableness that I feel. I think a lot of people in my family feel it and they mask it with alcohol. You know, not everybody in my family drinks, but we're Irish and a lot of that. I have alcoholism in my family, but most of them do. And so, you know, I don't like to drink too much. I do. I, I drink, have a beer now and then, but, but I don't, I prefer not to. And so I have to deal with the awkward feelings that everybody else deals, you know, just pounds down some wine or beer I deal with it in a different way and I, and I don't. So anyway, that's, that's a little bit of my story about, about my holiday struggles. But, and again, I feel like who am I to whine about this because I'm so blessed with such a great family and I'm a tall white male and a, I'm a privileged person in this society in so, so many ways. But I think that, it, but I, the thing that I've noticed over the course of my life is that I do have these cycles and some of, some of them are on a daily basis, like over a couple of days, I can be sort of really, I can be ecstatic about a project that I'm working on and be just on top of the world with and thrilled with what I'm, what I'm doing. And I have really big goals. I, I just get big ideas and I want to do something really cool and really big. And then all of a sudden, you know, something happens and I'm inside a paper bag and I can't even punch my way out. And I'm thinking, wow, what was I thinking? I can, I'm not going to, I'm never going to be able to do that. And so I go into a, um, a down period where I, I can't do anything. I can't even, I, I, and the things that I've learned to do in those periods are number one is to realize that it's a phase. It's hard when you're in the down phase to realize that you're in a down phase. And number two is um, that I can still take action in spite of my emotional state. So, And I don't have to. I can take a nap and I can take a break for a day or two. Then, then there's a bigger phase, a bigger cycle in my life that's usually months or years where I, and it relates to being excited about a project also, where I, I get to a point where I can see the vision, the vision that I've, that I've come up with that I want to manifest. 
starts to get really clear and like, yeah, this is possible. And then I don't want to do it anymore because it's not exciting anymore because it's doable or it's 80% done. And I just chuck it. And somehow I find a way to just let all the steam go out of it and find something new. And that, and that's a, that's part of my temperament and it's, it's okay. But financially it doesn't work that well if I don't find a way to take if what I'm doing is for financial gain on some level, which usually they are, but not, you know, some artistic merit or artistic benefits or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm lo- doing it for artistic reasons, partly, but still in order to keep doing, pursuing other artistic projects, I have to make some money to keep them going. So anyway, those are, those are some of the things that I've, I've dealt with uh, in my life. And another thing is that I don't often share. People who know me well or work with me, they kind of get to know some of these cycles. But a lot of people assume that I am just lucky and everything that I, I t- everything I touch turns to gold, but it really doesn't. I mean, I, when I think about the big successes I've had, there have been a few, been so many others, so many more failures in my life than there have been big wins. And I, I can focus on the big wins and share the big wins and it makes me sound like a rock star sometimes. But there have been so, it's just like batting averages, you know, it's like, it's been so many more strikeouts than there have been home runs. So, there's something else I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah, the, the other thing that happens with me in these cycles is that I always think that there's going to be something that's going to clear this all up for me. Someday, this feeling of, these down feelings are going to, I'm going to find a way to get rid of them completely. And so, when I'm on a high, I think, yeah, it worked. I'm done with that. And so, so there's this, there's this trap on the highs and there's a trap in the lows. The trap in the highs is that, that it's over completely and that it's never going to happen again. And then when it does, boom. Oh my God. It's here again. And, and so, and then when you're, when you're down low, knowing that you, it should, it seems like it should be easy to know, to remind yourself, Hey, you've been here before. You're going to ride this out, but it never feels that way. It never, it's hard to, to find those thoughts when you're down there. I mean, I really relate to a lot of your story, Mark. I think that those moments of this is it, I'm happy. I'm never going to be low again. I like, I really relate to that. You know, I, and I think that I don't, I don't know if there are people who are depressed and they just stay there for years and years and years. I, I know there are people who are depressed and stay there for years and years, but when you're out of it, it feels like, what was that? Like, I don't, I'm okay. Let's, you know, now I'm great. Everything's great. I mean, that's what, when I was first depressed, I didn't even recognize it was depression. Like the first time I felt depressed, which was after my dad died and the grief had cleared off and I still felt, you know, and I thought, Oh, well, I've, this is the first time I've really been depressed. But when I look back, I was like, Oh, and I started to trace all these times that I had been isolating and I call it hibernating, isolating, depressed, not going out, not doing anything, bare minimum. So I really relate to that thing of like, when you're in that space, you feel kind of stupid. Like, how'd I get here again? I thought I was done with this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing, one other aspect that's in my life right now is my sister who's 11 months older than me. She's, um, 
in a home, in an Alzheimer's home. She has some form of dementia. And she's pretty far advanced. And, and I'm here in Tucson, and I'm fortunate that I don't have a full-time job. Most of my siblings are pretty busy with their families and or their jobs and stuff. So I'm really the only one who goes to visit her. And I think that takes a lot out of me. And I don't give myself uh, space to, um, I don't know, I mean, it's like, I want to pat myself on the back for doing it, but I, but I always, I also need to give myself emotional space somehow, give myself and realize that it does take some time. It takes that, it takes something out of me on an emotional level being with her, um, every day because she, I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but there's like a, there's an energy exchange that's only one way, I guess right. is the best way to say it. And I keep thinking, oh, well, it's going to be easier and easier. As I go there more often, it'll be less of a, but it's not, it's, you know, it hasn't gotten that much easier. You know, I managed to make it fun and I find ways to make it fun for myself when I do go visit her. But there, I think there still is this underlying um, energy drain. Yeah. And, and just, you know, this, this is kind of the theme I feel here, which is we, we always hope to figure out a way past those dark moments and to not have them anymore. Or like, well, I'm seeing my sister on a regular basis. I should figure out a way that it's not so draining. And, and you can't like that, you know, it's, it's even, you know, you could lie to yourself or say, oh, it's fine. I'm doing fine, but it is draining. It is, it is you know, it is an energy exchange. Like everything's an energy exchange. I, I, I feel that I feel really strongly related to that because my grandfather had Alzheimer's and I, I didn't feel it. I'd go see him and I could see he was declining, but I wasn't his caretaker. I wasn't his, like, I wasn't regular visit. I was the far away family member. I didn't have to every day go over, like my aunt really supported my grandmother during that time and went over and had meals with them and brought her kids and, you know, made it bearable because just watching your loved one decline in that way, it's, it's, it's heart wrenching. It's just, you know, I don't, my grandmother ended up joining a support group because there, she needed support. (laughs) You know, she needed somebody who knew exactly what she was going through and not to put a nice face on it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of caregivers who work there, and it's um, there. A lot of them are very compassionate, but it's still different when it's a job and you're choosing to go, and they're not your, you know, your grandma or your, you know, your sister, or whatever. Yeah, when um, it's your family, it's different. Yeah, and that's kind of the theme of the holidays. We are our who we are is so wrapped up in our family and our family dynamics, and. My brother and I jokingly said, okay, I said, you get dad, I get mom. Like as when, when they get older, you know, you take care of dad, I'll, I'll take care of mom. And yeah, as it turns out, my, my dad remarried and was farther away. And my brother and I, it didn't end up being a caretaking situation. My stepmother did a lot of caretaking for him when he was dying. And, and even before that, before we knew how ill he was, she'd been taking care of him. She was a physical therapy assistant. So she had some medical training and, you know, just took care of him. And with my mom, I will most likely take care of her. I, who knows? She might live to be 105 and healthy, given my family. <laughs> taking care of you instead. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And the other thing I, I wanted to relate to with what you were talking about earlier was the people see your successes and that's the thing we tell people about, but how many misses are there along the way? And of course, I think that is the story of success when we can take Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, how many businesses he failed versus how many businesses that he succeeded at that like success, our cultural success and personal success and business success is filled with rejections that 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 is what success is. It's just getting through rejection. Yeah. And somehow coping with the because it's like fallout afterward, especially if you put your heart into something. There's a lot of fallout afterward and disappointment. And I do the same thing. When I wrap up a project, I don't ever want to look at it again. And I'm not interested and I lose that steam. There's like 12 things I meant to do with all the projects I finished. That you didn't accomplish? That, that I didn't accomplish. Like I finished the project to, to a certain degree and I had 12 other things I was planning to do when I wrapped it up. And instead, you know, I curl into the fetal position for a few weeks and then like have low expectations for myself and... Yeah. <laughs> but you find a way to close it with some uh, positive closure, positive uh, uh, momentum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And some not. Some I just, I just stopped doing it. I think that most people wouldn't know that about me or know that about you. You know, they see the things you accomplish and those are the things we tell people. <laughs> We don't tell them about that great project that we got halfway through. And then spent. like I have undone paintings in my house right now. <laughs> yeah. Something that you spent seven months working on and never really got out of the box and yeah, never really shared with people or certainly don't want to tell them. Yeah. I had this really great idea that I put a lot of time and energy into and then didn't finish. <laughs> yeah. And it's still a really great idea. Yeah. If only. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes feel like it's all my unborn children. <laughs> and with, with artwork, I, I, went, I years ago was much more of a physical artist. I made paintings and drawings and sculptures and quilts and handmade paper projects. I did all these different mediums. I was really drawn to process pieces. And so many of them went into boxes and many of them I never finished and I really, I went, I was living in New Hampshire and we were working on an old farmhouse and we'd gotten this huge dumpster. I mean, one of those mega dumpsters to just throw things in as we were doing construction. And I got my boyfriend to take pictures of my artwork and then throw them in the dumpster. <laughs> and I had a friend who said, you can't throw out your artwork. And I said, why not? And she's like, I would have taken some of it. I'm like, did you want a giant mattress that was, you know, dipped in, in wax and, you know, split open and had bees on it? And she's like, well, no, maybe not. <laughs> and I'm like, that was a, you know, not great piece. I don't need to keep it. And it's huge. And I just threw everything. I took pictures of them. So I had documentation, but I just chucked them all in the dumpster. And more than one person was like, you can't do that. And I'm like, I, I can, you know, I don't, I don't need like that idea of the things that you do the things that you accomplish are really the ones that you it's it's not you know who you're identified with in a public way as an artist or an entrepreneur are the ones that are clearly successful and nobody needs to see all the other ones i i don't i don't feel like anybody needs to know those <laughs> yeah and this 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 time of year, 
I think it is also a time of reflection coming up on the new year. Do you have any any reflections and, and things that you're coming up on that you want to share? Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this Project 70 Off Dental, and I have another project that I won't go into um, because I'm approaching both of them a little bit differently than I have over the past few years. Past few years, I've seemed to had a lot of projects that I took on as sort of the CEO and the main driving force. I didn't get any, I, I only got to a certain point and it seemed like I had some kind of a blind spot that was preventing me from taking a critical step forward involving more people, getting it out in a, in a bigger way. So I'm doing these two projects differently and I'm, um, I'm actually working with another, uh, company, a guy who has, a, has a project and I'm working as an uh, associate or as an affiliate rather than as the boss. I may be, a, I'm probably going to be a part owner but I'm not going to be the boss and that's going to be a big shift for me. And, um, letting and somebody else carry a little of the weight, a lot of the weight. Yeah. And then with the 70 off dental uh, project, I'm approaching it a, a little bit different than I have in that it's not an artistic project. There's nothing there. The, helping people is the big thing, serving yeah. people, getting people to get their teeth fixed and using some of my talents from uh, my previous life in a different way than than I have in the past. So I'm excited. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of talented people have those ups and the downs and those cycles. And I like that you said that it was just part of life. Indeed. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for all of you for joining us here on the Depression Session. See you next week. Again, I want to mention that if you found some of the content of today's show triggering, please seek professional help. And worst case scenario, call 911 if you're feeling like you might hurt yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.